everyone, welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know, so you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. And guys, as I promised, I found somebody when I was looking at the upcoming book list and I got so excited I had to have her on because everyone knows I've been reading Rachel Kane's book series The Book Librarians and when I read her title I was like okay this person I have to have on because I have to read her book she's too exciting gotta know all about this person so guys um, I'm inflicting you with one of my must-haves so here is the absolutely stunning, amazing writer, Sun Lee. Dean. Sun Lee Dean. Oh, I nearly got it. It's fine. I even practiced it. Oh, well. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> so, I saw Book Eaters, um, and it was funny because in the series I was just saying about is she Rachel Kane does this thing where libraries control all the knowledge in the world, right? And the bad guys are the book flickers, and essentially they want to destroy all the books so that knowledge can be, um, everyone can be free in their idea of knowledge. And of course, you've got these young group of people who are trying to protect books, but they don't agree with the library system, so they're rebelling. And when I saw Book Eaters, it just sort of tied into that. And I was like, 
Because obviously with Rachel K passing away now, um, we might not get the end of that series. So, oh, sad. <laughs> yeah, I just, I saw your book and it was just like, the idea of it continuing on, but in a different way was so exciting to me. So, you, so please tell us all about it. Because I can um, barely contain my excitement. <laughs> uh, I hope it lives up to excitement, but the, the book Eaters is a kind of contemporary fantasy slash mainstream novel. Uh, and it's about people who eat books. They're kind of humanoid, but not quite human. Um, these ones live in Britain, and they are divided into six families. It has a bit of Godfather meets Interview the Vampire feel to it. I and love the main, that. The main character is a woman called Devon, and her son is a different kind of eater, one who eats minds rather than books. Um, and that presents a lot of problems for Devon and a big moral dilemma for the story that she has to embark on um, it's very morally grey, everyone's a monster, family relationships kind of book. Um, and it's a bit of a genre hodgepodge, which gave the, my publisher a headache, but uh, hopefully someone will, some people will find it fun. <laughs> I think the, the, the books that are those genre hodgepodges, they tend to be the best because there's not those constricted rules on them. It's almost like you get to set yourself free and say, I'm going to write what I feel this story should be, what it should contain. And I think that's exactly what you do. And I, I really admire you for just sort of taking that jump and saying, hey, you know what, I, I can't make it one or the other, so I'm just going to write exactly how I feel this book should be. Um, and I think more people like you really deserve to take that jump because I think... I imagine I can't imagine how much better a lot of books would be if they people were not necessarily worrying about, you know, sort of am I am I staying within the realm of this genre? Am I, or am I going too far into this? I think, do you know what I mean? It would give it a much more, we'd feel a lot freer as writers, maybe. Maybe. Um, I, I think some genres just also do some things really well. I think thrillers are really good at engaging readers. They focus on the reader experience over the hero's journey, and there's a lot to be said for that. I think that's part of why we find them so compelling. So um, I did really want to borrow a lot from thrillers in the, the structure of the novel and kind of try that, basically. I think some someone online said it's like a fairy tale stapled to a thriller, and that works for me as a description. <laughs> You will find that people will come up with so many different sort of descriptions for your novels that you would never think. You would just be like, I would never have thought that. That's really interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I, I always like to hear back from the readers like what they think, you know, what boxes it ticks and things like that. So what, where did you get the idea for this? Where did it sort of come from for you? Uh, so I guess it came from a lot of different places. I think if you read books, we already talk about them like they're food, and we talk about them in food terms. We say that they're spicy or they're sweet, um, that they're kind of heavy or they're light. Um, and then various things, like I've met people who have... So there's a there's actually an Orbit editor who has a form of synesthesia where books have a taste, and she experiences taste when she's reading. Oh, wow. She's kind of like a real-life book eater. Um, and there's just bits and pieces from pop culture. There was a 90s cartoon I used to watch that had a sorcerer who ate books to gain their power and knowledge. Um, there's a Japanese manga called Book Eaters, which is about a kind of yokai 
style creatures who eat books as well. So there's some some from all over the place really, and just it all kind of came together as this really weird idea that I couldn't let go of. I love that. It's, I think sometimes like when it's just an off the wall idea, you just have to go for it. And I think you've really done that with this. Thank you. So, tell us a little bit about your second one, because the second one is the memory thief. Did the I get that right? Memory? Thief um, of that memory. Yes. Yeah, shorter. Right. Yeah. So it's a it's more of a short story, really, and I, I, I think that's <laughs> you can read it for free on Tor's website, or for some reason you can buy it as like a one pound ebook. I don't quite know why. Um, yeah, I wondered that. Yeah, it, I was I curious know, about that. It must yeah. be like free on Kindle Unlimited or something. I don't know. Um, but yes, it. Uh, so the Thief of Memory is totally different. It's a high fantasy story about a woman who has no memory, and she's on a quest that she can only remember parts of the details from. Um, and she just knows that she's chasing this person who's stolen her memories, and she needs to defeat him to save her people. But as the story goes on, her memories start to come back. Um, the things that she thinks she's doing are, are not as straightforward as they seem. Um, and she also can't really trust her memory as well, so it's a bit of a weird one, but I've had fun with it. <laughs> it sounds, and I mean, I admire the fact you've got it in 26 pages, because to me, the way you were describing it, it's almost like this big, massive, thousand-page story that, you know, takes you on this big sort of journey, so... I love the fact that you managed to get it into a short story version, because <laughs> I, I I just can't teach. I've not learned that trick yet, um, and I have to do it for my bachelor's this year. And I'm like, oh no, I got to do short stories. So yeah, I, I I admire that greatly about you. So, in a way, what what where do you think you're going to go next? Because obviously you've done sort of like a spinoff different kind of novel and then you've got book ears are we going to see another one in your book ears series or are you planning on jumping into something else uh, i'm contracted for two more novels with tor but they need to be standalones so i am working on another one and it's completely different it's it's full length it's set in hong kong during world war ii and it's kind of wow. a little bit alternate history a little bit ghosts and magic i love the sound of that that does sound amazing <laughs> So everyone, watch out for 2024. You better be following her on uh, Amazon so you do not miss out because this book is going to be amazing. It sounds absolutely dreamy to me. So yes, you could actually end up being my favorite author of 2022. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not sure to say to that. Thank you, though. It's it's kind of like a badge here. Um, every author I meet, I serve. Because fantasies, I adore fantasy. And I adore it when people don't stick within the realms of fantasy and they take little bits and pieces of different genres and they add it to it. Um, and I just think what you've done is just... It drawed me in really fast and it got me really excited. Um, I have to wait till Christmas because my husband said he'll buy me the book for Christmas, um, which is kind of torture. But then when I look at my TBR and he's like, really, Crystal? I have to be like, okay. I have like 500 books to when I moved no, here. And I think yeah. about, I have about 1,000 now. So Yeah. 
Um, I believe in having a library in the house. It's <laughs> yes. a good plan. It is a good plan. You, you never run out of entertainment because books don't require electricity and they don't require... Like, you can read them anywhere. You don't need a phone signal or internet. You know, it's... That's what I like about it. So... So going into sort of books and the books that you're reading right now. What's the book you've read most recently that you'd say has stuck with you the most? Um, I guess very recently I just finished a, an ARC, which is a, an advanced reader copy um, of Ascension by Nicholas Binge. That's coming out in April, so it'll probably be out by the time this airs. Yeah. Um, and it's like an, it's another weird kind of genre bending one. It's about um, a mountain that appears in like the middle of the ocean that's 40,000 feet high and the scientists that begin to climb it once they start climbing they essentially can't stop and there's a lot going on it's like a weird mystery but a thriller but there's lots of like philosophy and faith and it's very strange and I really I did really enjoy it um, and gave him good feedback for it so I don't those know are, don't those are the best yeah yeah I, I don't know when it releases in the states but it's out in the UK in, in April-ish well, that's fine, because I'm here in the UK, so I, I'll be looking out for it, that's for sure. Oh, it's okay. Because, um, yeah, I, funnily enough, everyone thinks I have an American accent, but no, I, I do, I stay in the UK. Um, in fact, I stay just along from Stirling Castle. Oh, okay, up in Scotland. So, so up in Scotland, yeah, I originally come from Shetland, so that's where the accent comes from. <laughs> Everyone's always like, oh, where's your accent from? I'm from Shetland. Oh, where's that? Very, 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 very far north <laughs> of Scotland, so, yeah. I've visited uh, the Orkney Islands, and they always refer to Shetland as the other place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, no, I would agree with that statement, actually. You know, sometimes, we're a bit weird up there. But, to be fair, like, during the summer, in, the sun never sets. And then during the winter, you get very little daylight. So... Mm -hmm. People kind of go a little bit stir crazy up there because it is mm. so. It's so rural and it's so out of the way. Um, so yeah, people people either go up there and they love it, or they're born there and they just don't want to leave, or they go up there and they kind of just lose their minds entirely. So, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but yeah, that's 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 usually how it works. Um, and I ended up learning to be a writer up there because I was one of those ones that were like, I'm losing my mind. I've got to do something <laughs> with my life. Um, you know, and I'm not a party girl. And I, you know, I just needed to find my place. And, and writing actually gave me that, that superpower. So, yeah, hmm, it's kind of cool. Uh, for me, I'm writing an arc for Pan McMillan, and it's called... Um, Exodus um, okay. and it's kind of about this woman who suddenly disappears and she leaves her pram on this fairground and they have no idea where she's gone, totally no idea and this guy's over to do a christening and he ends up getting sucked into the investigation and then he learns that maybe not everything's white as it appears in this town um, and in the ends up trying to solve it and it doesn't really feel like it's a total cop story 
So I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. Okay. I it's by Sounds Jane good. Harper. So that she's an Australian writer. Really, I love Australian writers because you you never quite know what you're going to get with with one of their books. I think it's kind of cool. So if you had time to sit and just read and enjoy books and life, what series and author would you read? Now you get the series and the author have to be two different writers. That's fine, yeah. I would read the rest of the author. I'd read the rest of Gene Wolfe's books. Um, ah, I really okay. like them. He's not massively well-known outside of sci-fi circles. He's won a lot of awards, but he's not very commercial. Yeah. Um, I don't read him very much at the moment because, firstly, he's died, so he's not going to write anymore, which means if I read them all soon, I'll run out. Yeah. Uh, secondly, his books are a lot of work. They need a lot of time in research. I actually have to take notes. Yeah. And then lastly, um, because he's not very commercial, you know that when you read something, it starts to influence your style a bit. And I know it sounds terrible, but um, when I was trying to write like a really kind of commercial thrillery book, I was reading a lot of those kinds of books, and I wasn't reading his really niche, weird, dense <laughs> prose, because that just puts me in the wrong frame of mind. So... Yeah, uh, yeah, that's who I'd read if I had time and didn't keep getting sent arcs that I need to give feedback for. Um, series, I don't read very many series anymore. I think I read a lot of standalones. Um, I've read all of the Farseer books, but that's like already oh, done. I've read okay. all the Temeraire books. Um, so what did you think of the Illuminati ones um, that was done by Jay Kristoff? Oh, uh, is that the Empire of the Vampire, or... Oh, no, no, that's his newest one. Um, Alumi was the one that kind of really broke him into the industry. Um, it um, was his sci-fi one. I've not read them. Um, I have oh. huge gaps, actually. Um, there's things like... I hadn't heard of, like, who James Patterson was and stuff until I just... And I didn't... I'd never read Sarah J. Mass. I've never read Harry Potter. So I have weird, big gaps in my reading. Um, oh, don't worry about it. We all I do. think I've just spent time reading other things and yeah, fantasy's so broad anyway um, I've met fantasy yeah. readers it's like we both like fantasy and we don't have a book in common because we're just swimming at different ends of this huge pool yeah, and I mean you people don't realise that there's hundreds of thousands of writers out there that does fantasy and does sci-fi and things like that and it, it's, you can just get absolutely lost in in one series. I know he did the Never Night Chronicles, um, which was kind of fantasy sci-fi. And the other one he did was Illuminate, sorry, it was Illuminate, the Illuminate Files. Um, and those were sci-fi. Um, and they they were loved. So I, I'll send you the link over for them because I think you would actually really enjoy them. And I think for a pleasure read, we all need pleasure reads, you know? And I think yes. um, Jay Kristoff is a pleasure read. However, uh, apparently he does write notes in his books. So there's like notes at the bottom of the pages and stuff like that. I haven't gotten to read him. He's, he's on my TBR. <laughs> Sounds awful. He's on my TBR, but I haven't gotten to him yet. And my husband tried his, his, his vampire one. Um, and normally he's, he's into a lot of stuff, but he couldn't get into that. 
um, which I was surprised about. But yeah, I'll send you him, and then maybe you'll find one that's just enjoyable for you to read. You will find on the show that we do uh, tend to walk away with lots of recommendations for each other. It's just yeah, the norm. So yeah. So is there an author, past, present, who has influenced, inspired, and made you excited about books? Now, you, you get three authors to cover the three brackets. So an author for inspired influenced an author for inspired and an author for making you excited um influenced inspired making you excited okay influenced i think oh i'll start with the other ones so i guess kind of inspired i went like six or eight years without reading or writing when i was in my 20s right. and then someone gave me the mary brennan books natural history of dragons and it was oh, just cool. like the right book at the right time i think it just yeah. kick-started um, it was so voicey, it was so fun, it was kind of adventurous and feminist, and it just got me back into reading again after that really long break, um, and made me feel like writing again as well. Um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it's a fun book as well. I, I think exciting, I guess, I'm always interested in the new kind of Claire North or Jeff Vandermeer books. Uh, I really liked Annihilation, it was, it's like the perfect book to me so yeah. I'm always interested when he releases something because you never know what you'll get that Jeff Vandermeer likes to change genre and mess around and stuff um, and it's influenced that's harder I think a lot of my influences are older writers like dead dead writers now there's um, nothing wrong with that honestly because no, I've got Catherine Cookson she's dead uh, you know Rachel yeah. Kane was an influence, influencer for me, and, and she's no longer here too, so, I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's who we grew up with when we were younger, and um, I think probably they like stick with us. Blasney, Michael Moorcock, people like that, the kind of older retro sci-fi writers, and um, yeah, it's who you remember. Yeah, and I think that's good, because, you know, like for me, I wouldn't necessarily take a more um, middle-class approach to my writing. If it wasn't for the writing that Catherine Cookson did, I wouldn't necessarily sort of look into character deaths as much if it wasn't for Rachel Kane in the way that she did her vampire series. So I've learned a lot from authors that have are no longer with us, um, and it's I think it's great because a lot of my author friends are still alive, touch wood and everything. They will be a lot around for a very long time. And I think we all make friends in the industry too, which can also influence us and inspire our writing a little bit more. What genre do you feel drawn to when you visit sort of a bookshop or if you're online sort of browsing? I think for me, fantasy, because it is the biggest. Um, yeah. Because some genres like romance are defined by their structure. Thriller and crime are defined by their plot elements, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but fantasy is only defined by it just needs something fantastical so you can have like a fantasy thriller, fantasy crime fantasy romance for me fantasy has everything with some extra in the background right. uh, and to me that yeah it's got all the freedom it has all the different tastes I guess that you can want um, and it's so big and that's good that's a good thing too because fantasy you can there's not as many rules 
I think, yes. And fantasy gives us that opportunity to just let loose and mm. not be worried. Because I think a lot with other genres, for me, when I was doing sort of wrestling romance, I had to constantly check the rules of, well, does this fall into the rules of wrestling? Am I breaking rules of wrestling here? Like, I almost had to keep track of where I was in my notes to make sure I didn't go over the line anywhere. Um, did you find that when when you were sort of doing your other work, did you find it almost in a way where you were constantly trying to prevent um, mistakes and stuff? Or like stopping yourself um, from going outside the, the lines? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's because I always approached it from like wanting to be commercial. Yeah. Um, so I think for if you want it to sell, I think publishing is okay with ideas being weird, but it likes structure to be commercial. Um, yeah. So structure, I think, I was always strict with myself, and then ideas, I'll let them just be whatever they want to be. Oh, it's a good way of looking at it because you're not maybe doing it as is what the rest of us do and stressing ourselves out about, you know, like okay, I want this to be a commercial thing, but. I want to make sure that I'm not coloring outside the lines or I'm not doing anything that's going to get me in trouble. So I think I think that's a pretty, pretty good way to look at it, actually. I think someone told me, right, what's like in your heart, but with your practical hat on. And to me, that's a kind yeah. of good midway point. It is a good way point. Um, I think because I'm doing the BA honours, I'm sort of learning other things like you know, sometimes it's good to write what you know, but it's also good to write what you don't know. Um, because you can go out and you can research it and you can explore and you can learn and you you will absorb things naturally to add to other pieces of work at a later date. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And it's, it's something I'm trying to sort of kind of impart in my own stuff. Have you tried that? Um, not, not ever sat down to do that specifically, no, but it does sound like a really good idea. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a question that I ask on this podcast, and it's, it's really because we're trying to undo negative reviews, um, and undo sort of the negative review atmosphere that everyone's experiencing on Goodreads right now. So has there ever been a book that you picked up and wished you hadn't started. Now, the reason I say this is so that we can demonstrate to other readers and reviewers that there is a good way of talking about a book we didn't like, but without putting the author down or putting that piece of work down. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they're still living, I try not to say anything if I don't like a book, but I think... Uh, in, as a teenager I read an Ayn Rand novel and it was just I just really hated everything about it um, I don't think I've written a review for it ever though um, it's just kind of got a star rating somewhere on my Goodreads um, but yeah I shouldn't have finished it but I had the you know, it was for class basically it's one of those things you have to read it for school and that yeah. made it worse because then you're just reading it and going oh, I hate this <laughs> but you have to keep finishing it I think sometimes also is if it's for work, like for schooling, there's almost that instant, mm -hmm. ah, I hate this because I have to read it. Like it's almost like a natural repulsion, I think, that comes into it. Or at least I find that that's there. 
Um, and there's like books that I've gone back and I've read since school. And I was like, why did I hate this? Like, really? It's not that bad. I must have just been in a bad headspace because it, you know, it was in class. So I, I, I think there's almost that general atmosphere of trying to, you're trying to read it because you have to, but you don't want to read it. So there's that negative influence already on it. Yeah, definitely. I think when someone wants you to read it, that makes you feel like you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, it's too it's too much pressure. Yeah. So going into your writing, how did you go about creating the darker characters and elements in your story? Like, how did you get your mindset in that place to write it? Was there a process, or did you make it like an atmosphere in your room with candles and lighting and? What was your process? I think for me it just comes from real life. I think that um, the world we live in is pretty dark. And there's yeah. pro like there, there are definitely dark moments in the book eaters, but I don't think any of it's really darker than what we live through in daily life, to be, to be honest. Like a lot of, uh, of society is not very nice. Mm -hmm. um, so it just draws a lot from real life and kind of experiences like living through poverty or living below the breadline or living yeah. without a lot of money and um, I've also lived in like the, a lot of the rubbish areas of Leeds, the kind of grotty neighbourhoods um, that are not as posh or nice. So, um, it just life's a good that, educator, I, I think. Yeah, it is. And it's yeah. it's not. I know this sounds awful, but for me, it, like I I had a sort of middle class upbringing, but at the same time, I had a lot of friends who were poor, and I had a lot of friends who didn't live above the breadline and their parents were constantly in debt and I saw what it did to the kids um, and I think that taught me a lot and that was why a lot of growing up people were like you know make sure you're, you get a job that pays and, and it's dependable and, and all this sort of stuff it really did teach me that that kind of needing to, to know what I'm getting into and try and do stuff that is going to help me take care of myself. However, I maybe didn't think that all the way through because I became a writer. But it was it was good because I kind of had to take that step outside of my comfort zone and go, okay, th this might not be, you know, this, this isn't dependable, but it's what will make me happy. It's what my body can handle, so I'm going to do it. What was what was your sort of decision like when you decided to walk into writing or become a writer? Uh, my life was very stuck. I wasn't really going anywhere. I didn't have another career. I just had the kids with their special needs to look after. Um, uh, basically, yeah. I had nothing to lose, and I really wanted to try. So I yeah. kind of gave myself a time frame to give it a go and see what went through. And I didn't get it didn't get it within that time frame I think I said two years initially which is actually no time at all in writing no um, but by then I was kind of stuck doing it like <laughs> I, got, I kept wanting to do it anyway so I kept going past the two years I, th I think we all do that too I think that's just natural um, because I think it's natural when you're a writer and you start writing it's like a bug you get the bug and then 
you don't want to you don't want to stop because you want to see where this is going to take you and it is a bit like going on a roller coaster because you just don't know where that's going to end and it's a, it's a good feeling but it's also scary at the same time yeah no definitely agree <laughs> What inspired you to enter the genre that you did? What made you feel like this is my writing voice, this is where I need to, to go? It's just what I read um, and I think what's enjoyable. I think fantasy, it has all the same benefits as writing contemporary but there's more options. Yeah. You can add things in basically. You have a lot more fun with it. Extra complexity, magic, all the good stuff. And there is plenty of good stuff. Mm. I think that's I think that's another thing that uh, I'm learning is like there's so much good stuff that you can do with different things now that you can't really like. I always say don't restrict yourself to like one genre. It's there's like a million different genres out there, and you can fall in love with any of them. Uh, you just gotta just got to try you know you just got to give it a go um so yeah i that 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 was always my my thoughts and theories anyway <laughs> yeah is there like like when you sit down to write for you is it like um putting together a jigsaw or is it like a a movie that you're just trying to capture as it's rolling oh it's both it's there's like a mood that i want to capture and then writing it is like fitting together a jigsaw i love yeah i always enjoy that analogy because it's definitely accurate for me it's actually accurate for me as well that's because i also feel alone because everyone says i know it's a movie for me and i'm like but i have to sit there and put the pieces together in like yeah. the breakdown section where you're making all the bullet points and you're breaking down the chapters and you're doing all that and then I get the fun of just writing the scenes when I get to that point, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, yeah. It's, so it's a, nice. Like halfway yeah. between outlining almost and not, um, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> it feels like it for me. So do you think you'd ever co-author with someone? Do you think that that would be something you'd want to try? Um, I think I've tried it before with a friend and we were just not that well suited. Um, it's, it's really difficult, it's a really difficult skill I've met a couple of co-authors and I just find their process so interesting I don't know if I'm you've a, ever I'm a co-author too <laughs> oh, um, the, the one that I know is a lady called Julia V and she writes with her friend Ken and they've been writing since they were 13 or something and they write like across distance um, and they have different things they focus on to me that's just like, it's really really interesting So it, it, it is a bit interesting and it's a bit skill set like you'll have somebody that does the line share the writing and then you've got somebody that's very good at sort of um, detail orientation so they will go through and they'll say right this girl left the ball but where did she go after that or you forgot that she switched sweaters or you forgot to add in that maybe she hasn't slept or at today like they give you those really fine details that makes that story just sing because you you might not because you get so embroiled in the actual writing of it that sometimes you do miss those details 
So sometimes yeah. having that co-author who works through this the project with you can really help sort of smooth the edges a little bit more before it ever see, goes to an editor. Yeah, I can see the advantage of it because I, you know, I do work with I have like a critique partner and she's really good at like say action scenes and stuff and I'm better at dialogue. And yeah. I could definitely see that appeal where if we were working together we'd have that synergy but then we'd have to work in the same world and I think that's where we'd fall down <laughs> you never know you might find somebody over like your journey that you think ah oh, I really like this person's style and I think with the two of us would connect really well so I always say never say never but it's, it's good to keep an eye out to see if there's like somebody out there that you think ah oh, I, could, I could work with them I could uh I could make that work because it, it does, it's, it's a lovely feeling when you, you create something with somebody else and you get to share being on the road with them when you're doing book tours and you're doing all this different stuff. So, which character would you say has stuck with you the most in your writing? Has there been a character that you've just not been able to shake? sure actually <laughs> I think Devon might have been one because I wrote a short story very early on where she kind of featured with a different name um, and then I think that was the first short story I ever wrote and then later she's come back in this novel with a, you know, a different plot and setup and everything um, and just something about that hang on I might have to shut my door one second but, um, oh, sorry my partner's back and he'll otherwise be going through this room um no problem. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Um, I think probably, yeah, Devon herself from The, the Book Eaters, I suppose. Uh, she kind of I survived love that. this early short story that I didn't do anything with. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's good because it means that that's mm -hmm. a character that you can maybe turn back to in the future and just explore more because it sounds like maybe not all of her stories finished. Yeah. Or that she always had... Um, I guess, a, a different use there. Yeah. Is there a character you wish you could write more about? Is there one that, that you kind of think, hmm, I kind of like to write more about them? Um, it's a minor spoiler, but so I won't say who it is, but there's a, a family member of Devon's in the Book Eaters who I did plan for her to feature in the book, and she couldn't in the end. There just wasn't space. So someday... So could that be a series that you're maybe dying to write? Um, I don't think I'll get a chance to write a series for that one. Um, I think the way trade publishing is at the moment, I would stick to standalones or duologies, but I wouldn't mind a sequel someday. Yeah, I think it, I think that sounds like it could be something really cool. Mm. So what other standalones are you excited to do? Like, is there genres that you've kind of got in your head that you're like, yeah, I really want to do these. I would love to do a big sci-fi book someday, definitely. I think that would be a, a total change from fantasy or contemporary fantasy. Um, and I'll see if I get the chance to do them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good, because it's, you know, sometimes it's nice to just say, okay, I might want to do a standalone like of this genre and see how it goes. If not, then I'd like to do, you know, and then you can think about something else at the same time. I always think that it's good to kind of keep your keep your options open a little bit. 
what techniques have you found helpful and which ones have you wished that you hadn't tried when it comes to writing? Oh, uh, I don't know if it's writing specifically, but I think building a community was massively helpful. Just like other writers who can give you feedback and um, industry advice who have more experience. Um, That's been the biggest help to me is just definitely community and the things you learn from other people. Uh, Things I wish I hadn't tried. I think early on I gave money to like manuscript assessment services and stuff like that I couldn't really afford and those are a waste of money I think they're just they're borderline scammers really yeah there's a lot of them out there yeah there's a whole industry set up to scam people who are really desperate and it's unfortunate (laughs) It, it it is I mean for me like I struggle with dyslexia and I think I've had a couple of editors who say they're editors and then they're not and then you oh, just no. wasted all this money and it does it does it rips your heart out yeah. a little bit because you're just like uh, now we have to go find somebody else to work with or yeah find a way to do this all over again because this person's just like screwed everything up for me yeah oh yeah sorry to hear that they're they're really bad those (laughs) yeah they are and they're on the rise too which is slightly scary Mm -hmm. so going into your life what's the first thing you do when you want to de-stress from editing and writing what do you do to just go um exercise for me i I swear that's a true answer and i'm not just trying to um but I, i do actually really love kind of running or walking or taking the dog out um and sometimes at home, exercise if it's raining. So, yeah, especially with all our storms we're getting at the moment. Because I think yeah. I think Britain's got more storms this year than we've had in a while. Yes, uh, the dog won't go out if it's raining because she's a princess about it. So, <laughs> you just need to buy her one of those raincoats that's got the little hood that you can tie to the collar, and then she's all she good. Does, she does actually have one. Um, she still won't go out. She because she's a sausage dog. She's quite low to the ground. She doesn't like having a wet belly. I think, and she just won't even try. Even. <laughs> I don't blame her. I wouldn't want a wet belly either. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm kind of with there on that. What hobbies do you enjoy, and are there ones that you wish you could explore more of? Um, I guess mostly gaming related things, or I'm a gamer like too. Hiking. Yeah, board games and video games. Uh, I wouldn't mind learning to sew. I think that's useful as well as fun, but I just don't have the time, and it's it is time consuming and a bit expensive, especially when you first get into it. <laughs> I'm yes, just uh, secretly showing Sun Eve the cross stitch that I've done for my mother-in-law's granddaughter, and she's about to be a great grandmother. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of cool. Uh, so yeah I understand that I grew up with stitching and sewing Um, you can get little packs on ebay for a pound so um, if you know where to look you can get it for for next to nothing Um, and I highly recommend that because if you want to learn it's so easy and there's so many videos on youtube now that's really helpful Um, and as I said you can get the printed packs too and they're so cheap Honestly, is, eBay is your best friend. It's cl- I've got the sewing machine, and it's kind of clothes I would like to learn, but I've not done it yet. Um, it's 
I would start small, maybe do like a little cross stitch thing, mm -hmm. and then build to that because um, that's what I did, and I'm glad I did because I did a sewing, uh, I did a, I did a wedding dress for my local drama club in Shetland, and I'm glad that I did it. Like I made my way up to that because it, I would not have been prepared to make the big jump. So yeah. Highly recommending it, doing it slowly. Um, but there's also a great number of quilting videos you can do on uh, eBay, and you can get like packs of fabric for a pound. Um, and then if you can get the quilting under, like you get the quilting done, um, then it'll take you no time to jump to quilts. It's another way of going. It's a faster way of going as well, I suppose. I have no idea if that's helpful. Yeah. No, that's fine. I, I, I will some time. That sounds like a, it does sound like a good idea. Because um, it's useful as well as the other thing, like you can make your own stuff. Yeah, um, it can save you lots of money and time and effort, especially if you've got kids. Um, yes. You know, it, it's kids are always wanting a new dress or a new pair of like, jeans, and if you can sort of take old jeans and make them look brand new again, it can can help. And, you know, in this economy, we need to find ways to help each other, so, yeah. So do you find crafts helpful when it comes to your writing? Do you find it sort of takes your mind off your writing and sort of clears the tubes and lets you go back fresh? Um, I'm not sure anything takes my mind off the writing. Uh, that sounds terrible. I think I'm a little bit of a workaholic with it. Um, exercise does if only because like, if, when you're in pain all the time you can't think about anything so that's very yeah. true very true <laughs> i will i will agree with you on that one um for me is if i'm on league of legends because i have like really diehard league of legends friends oh, then yes. i have to focus because like if i muck up or i suck they will tell me so i do get that little bit of the day where i'm not worrying about plot and is this character going to actually fall in love with this other character or do I need to like adjust things and things like that I've not played League of Legends but I did play uh, Heroes of New Earth back in the Ooh. day is that is a good one yeah mm. I I started League because it, it's shorter game spells so like it's good for like time management because like one match is like 30 to 40 minutes and then you're done like you can go yeah. off and you can write or but it just gives you that little bit of time to just get your head back on straight like especially if you're hitting roadblocks and writer's blocks um and it can just give you that and you can just have that wee bit of time um and also there's different variations of leaks so there's variant which is a shooter one there's runeterra which is a sort of like a card game version, board game version mm. and then obviously there's this League of Legends where you can sort of play champions against champions So if you yeah. like that as well, they have books coming out they've got officially licensed League of Legends books yeah, yeah they do yeah. and also they've got um, Arcane which is on Netflix mm. I, yes, work, right. I, I do recommend that I do recommend okay. that season 2 is coming out soon so I think you'd, you'll probably enjoy that actually it's got a very kind of fantasy sci-fi feel to okay. it. I've heard it's quite good, actually. Yeah, I've heard it's. I heard really good reviews. 
It is actually really good. I would love to hear what you think about it if you get a chance to watch it. Okay. So, I myself have a long-term illness that makes me slow down and appreciate the day. What would you say sort of makes you slow down and kind of appreciate, you know, smell the roses and appreciate things? Um, possibly cliche. Sometimes spending time with the kids, quite often the dog walks, I wouldn't get out for those walks otherwise. You know, I might exercise, but going on the walks is like this is like 40 minutes of my day that I have to set aside um, and because she's kind of a reactive dog I can't be on my phone I need to be paying attention to her to make sure she doesn't chase cats and stuff so, yeah but for me that's a good time to focus on something else and someone else um, and actually pay attention to the world around me I know that feeling so yeah, yeah. no I'm with you on that one What's your favorite place to curl up during the day to read? Do you go to your garden? Is there a cafe, a reader's nook? Where do you like to go? Uh, bed is good. <laughs> bed is always good. I don't think I read in a cafe. There's, uh, for me, there's a bit too much noise. Yeah, but I find it hard to do that too. Home is comfortable. Yeah. And the thing is, we all have to read as authors, so it's not like we don't have to go and like physically take time of the day to read, because we do. So yeah. So moving on into the word game, which you'll be glad to hear is the final portion of the podcast. And the word game is the first word, the first book that comes to your mind when you hear the words. Okay? Okay. So your first, um, your first one is wind rattling the windows. So what do you think of when you hear the winds rattling the windows? Uh, probably Wuthering Heights, so that, that scene where the... Catherine's ghost at the beginning is shaking the windows to get in. I like that. That's where my mind went to. Okay, tape snapping in the wind. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with this, but probably name of the wind, just because of the wind, I suppose. Oh, I like that. No, that's that's pretty good. Rushing water. Uh, watership down. Ooh. I like in these, these suggestions. Bells tolling. Uh, probably Sabriel for me. That's, that's a really good YA fantasy. Yeah. About the necromancer girl that uses bells as her magic power. Racing hearts. Oh, um. That makes me think of a film, sorry, not a bird. Uh, it's not a book. Um, if I can answer a film, I guess Gattaca? Yeah, you can go for that. Sci fi film. <laughs> I thought of um, Court of Thrones and Roses. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, th- I like that. He's got a heart problem, and he's got to—he's trying to pass as an astronaut, and he has to like hide his heart problems and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what about Shivers? Uh, probably Peace by Gene Wolfe. That's his a ghost story. Oh, I like that. Cold. Uh, Barbarian Ice Planet. I've not read it, but. <laughs> It does make you go there, yeah. Yeah. Final ones, pins and needles. Um, maybe Latro in the Mist, which is another Gene Wolfe book. And the character in that sustains a head injury at the start, which gives him numbness and he loses his short-term memory every day. Oh, so. wow. That's a good one. Well, you have survived the Book of Life podcast. It has been <laughs> an absolute pleasure having you on. I really hope that in 2024 you reach out and we can sit and discuss your upcoming novel in more depth and uh, we can have some fun definitely for that. 
Um, sounds like it's you. You've got some awesome work going on, and uh, I will hopefully get to review your book uh, and have it on the end of this podcast. That is, praying that's uh, what's going to happen. I might try and reach out to your publisher and see if they'll let me read a, a copy of it, um, and then that way I can do that for you. Oh, thank you. That's really kind. It's been an absolute pleasure. So, yeah, it's been great. So, guys, you're only going to come back next week as we have another cracking set of guests on that you're not going to want to miss. Now that we're uh, done with this amazing podcast, it is my pleasure to sort of talk about the review of Book Ears. I was nervous when I picked it up because I'm not a fantasy horror fan and anything with horror usually sends me running for the hills, but I thought, I'll give it a shot. This book, to me, it it is gory, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's not the kind of book that makes you go, oh my god, this is horror, I'm putting it down. The fantasy is so well thought out. It truly is. The idea of vampirism being used with books and being used for, you know, taking people's minds was so unique. I thought it was so refreshing. And I loved the gay angle that there was in it as well. You know, the fact that she kind of, the heroine finds herself coming to the end. And she really never loses that motherly bond that she has inside her. When I read the book, I felt like the author poured through the pages. Sunny just, you get to know her personality by what she's written on those pages. This incredible woman has put out this incredible novel. I gave it five stars, and I will explain that, because I don't give five stars to everybody. I can sometimes usually give four. This is a five star, because I can happily hand this book to a friend and say you need to read this for 298 pages she did not have me bored not once there was no lull in that story and that goes to the incredible editors she works with and herself i am sure she had a lot of times when she had to fight to keep things in i adored just the usage of fairy tales and quotes from books I thought that was refreshing and new for me it might not be new for you guys but it was new for me I really admired this book not only as a reader but as an author I love the way that she captured both this amazing adventure through the UK and the accents you could feel the accents coming through the page and that is so difficult to do I know from my own writing it is incredibly difficult to do and yet she does it so flawlessly and beautifully I will say this the book did not feel finished at the end for me I feel like there is more to her story and I would love to see another book a duology make it a duology that would be perfect just to find out whether she gets her real happy ending with her children, or if she doesn't. Um, I don't want to give too much of the story away, but I will say this. You have a much 
more appreciation for the class issues after reading this. She did a phenomenal job showing, you know, what it was like being in an established family and and being a woman in that time and how that way of thinking hasn't completely gone. It is still existing and I have I've seen it firsthand, so I know. But I will say this. I thought this was incredible. She has easily gone into my top five of authors that I want to keep an eye on and I want to have on this show and I want to review. Um, So yeah, please guys, go check this out. Share it with all your friends because this is a book that is such an adventure. It is an adventure from beginning to end and every quote that's on that book is true to its core. So please, make sure you get this book in front of as many of your friends as possible and have a night where you just talk about the story, about the book and just share it because it is phenomenal and I really want to see this person become the superstar that I know she can be. So, that's all from me and I look forward to showing you more reviews in the future and I have some fantastic books coming in and some fantastic authors. So, without further ado, enjoy your day or night and uh, I look forward to speaking to you all again soon.